Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am Chuck Colazzi. Today is Saturday, February the 24th, the year 2024. So it's 224-2024, and it's the Saturday of the first week of Lent. Forgive me for being a little bit late today. Uh, haven't been feeling that great, but as you can hear, my voice is a little better than it was. So we're going to hopefully continue to heal. Anyway, our gospel today, our reading is from the gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers and sisters only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. I like to make a little joke when I first hear this reading. Uh, Yeah, Jesus, okay, be perfect. Okay, I got that. Anything else? Like, (laughs) he's telling us be perfect, and we are so imperfect. We are so far from being perfect. Yet, there's still, as with our Lord, he's brilliant. He is the, you know, Jesus, we say, is incarnate wisdom, you know, the wisdom of Almighty God, of God the Father. So, of course, he is pure intelligence, pure perfection in every way, including uh, the brain, how he thinks. And anyway... Jesus puts perfection with the way we're supposed to love. We love talking and thinking about love when it's something that feels good, when it's something that's easy to do, but love truly has merit, especially that merit which will get us into heaven when, when it's difficult to love. We could talk about loving our enemies, and I do want to talk about that a little, but even loving your spouse when they don't look that good. Loving your kids when they're driving you crazy. Loving your parents when they're nagging you. Loving your neighbor next door when he just parked the corner of his truck on your grass that you spent so much time on, and now there's a little mud patch there, be an attire print. <laughs> I don't know. The list goes on and on and on. People can be very hard to love. Huh. <laughs> Do we ever think, yeah, maybe I'm a little hard to love? So Jesus says the perfection of love and ultimately perfection in general, because God is love, is when we choose to love a person. And I always go back to love isn't primarily a feeling. There are feelings of love. It's true. But love is about the five love languages, which is great because it's a book only written recently. But love is a choice. And it means one of those five love languages. Either I'm doing a service for another, I'm spending time with another, I'm giving affection to another, I'm giving gifts to another, or I'm giving compliments to another. Words of affection, words of affirmation. Love means we choose to do something that is good for another. We come out of ourselves. And this is what perfection consists in. Now, the past couple sermons this past week, we've already spoken about um, forgiveness. And of course, it's a great topic that we should keep talking about and how forgiveness is difficult. Some might even say impossible. 
And that's a great word to be using there because perfection is impossible. We know that. I, I can't be perfect. But I believe and I pray to God I go to heaven and I believe that when I enter into heaven, that eternal bliss with our Lord, I will be perfect. But it's not because of my actions and choices. Well, in a way it is, but the reality is God is the one who perfects us. God is the one who gives us the grace to forgive and to love. We have to make choices in that direction, but we do not perfect it on our own. We don't have the ability to. God has that ability, but he wants us to choose it. He wants us to choose in that direction of love and forgiveness, and then he will bring about the perfection. We step into the confessional. He absolves the sins. And the list goes on and on. We make the effort. The Lord completes it. We say, I'm sorry for my sins. We say, Lord, help me to do better. As some of my students are preparing for confirmation, this is a big theme that we keep talking about. God is going to give you through that confirmation gifts and fruits and charisms from the Holy Spirit that are going to be beyond you. But you still have to choose to live in the Spirit. You have to go to church. You have to go to confession. You have to be open to the Spirit. You have to say yes to these things, and then the Spirit will work through you. The Spirit will do amazing things through you. So this is what this is all about. So we've talked about that, and God's transforming grace. God's the one that does it. With God, we have everything. We are the masters of the universe, (laughs) to use a weird expression from my childhood. But without God, we have nothing. Without God, I am dirt. Without God, I go to hell, right? I have nothing without God. I don't know what people are thinking that go through this life without prayer, without faith. And they say, well, look, I'm doing things. I'm accomplishing things. I'm not dirt. Yeah, because God's grace is still with you even in your sin. But at the end of this life, after judgment day, that ends. Either we're confirmed in grace or we're confirmed out of grace, and that's the end of it. And if we're in hell, we're helpless. If we're in heaven, yes, we are masters of the universe. But that's because we're with God and because he has confirmed us in grace. It's all about him. I was just thinking as something maybe a little bit entertaining, a little bit fun to talk about, since the real theme of this reading is it's it's a lot of the stuff we've already been talking about. Forgiveness, how to forgive letting God be perfect in us, letting God transform us. I was just thinking of another, um, it's more of a practical conversation I might have with people that I'm counseling about uh, how to love your enemies. And I don't know if this is more of a guy thing. I'm sure if I had a female co-host, you know, and who knows, maybe one day I will here. Um, maybe, uh, you know, I would love to have women's insights on this, but just from a guy's point of view, I think of like, and I just listed a whole bunch of things and I don't know if you're interested in hearing all these things, but like when you play against somebody in a sport, <laughs> here's an example. What if Tom Brady played for the Eagles? Well, <laughs> talk about a need to love my enemy right now. Tom Brady's retired. So the, the analogy only goes so far, but you know, for all these years, the Eagles trying to make the Super Bowl and, and just seeing the Patriots win year after year after year and Tom Brady being the quarterback, we've grown in a hatred. As Philadelphia fans, we hate Tom Brady. What if he played for the Eagles? Well, 
I think a lot of us would be like, no way, that's horrible, get rid of him because he's the enemy. But maybe some among us might be a little bit more, I don't know, graceful. Maybe there's even some intelligence in this to say, you know what, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, why don't we take him? And then we fight side by side. And my enemy now becomes my friend. And that's just, yeah, when I'm talking to young men, I very often will just talk about how do we channel this energy in a positive direction? How do we channel that hatred maybe into a friendship, maybe into an alignment? I was thinking of, well, of course, a great example, and I mentioned him the other day, is St. Paul. St. Paul was the enemy. Without God's grace, we have every reason to just hate St. Paul. Well, his name originally was Saul because he killed Christians and he was a Pharisee. He was the worst. He was one of those people Jesus was telling off in this world when he was here, Uh, you know, walking on earth like us. Jesus criticized the Pharisees tremendously because they were hypocrites, because they focused on the law and they didn't focus on the meaning and the spirit of the law, which was really about bringing people closer to God. In fact, Gamaliel, who was Paul's teacher, said about the Christians, leave them alone because let let God take care of it. If they're from God, it'll survive. There's nothing you can do to stop it. And if it's not from God, it'll die on its own. Leave them alone. Gamaliel was a little bit more wise. He wasn't necessarily about loving your enemy, but he wasn't about killing the enemy. But St. Paul, despite what his teacher said, went on killing Christians. And the Lord changed him. Now, that's something only the Lord could do, and the Lord did it because he had a plan for him. And notice then what happened. Now, we're on the same side. And the apostles and some of the others are saying, well, he who was formerly against us is now with us. Now, we're all channeling that energy in the same direction. Once again, it's just this theme of how we can turn things around. You know, when I have students that are uh, misbehaving, I try to think of creative, rather than just shooting them down, I mean, sometimes, yeah, you got to shut things down, but can we think of creative ways to channel that energy in another direction? And if I can do that with them, well, I need to do that with myself. How do we channel that energy in a positive direction? How do we take that a different way? I'm thinking of um, the music man and the barbershop quartet. I don't know. It's a little example. If you've ever seen the music man, these four men worked for the, the local government and they were supposed to uh, shut down Professor Harold Hill uh, because he was a phony and they were supposed to get his credentials and they were supposed to question him and eventually he'd be tarred and feathered. But every time they came at him with all this energy and all this, whatever you want to call it, the rage or just the concern, the excessive concern, he would just take that energy and turn it around on him. He'd say, oh, listen to your voices. Wow, you guys are so melodious. Ready, sing this note, sing that note. And within a short amount of time, I mean, it's a little bit of comedy involved too. They're singing, Lila Rose, I'm home again, Rose, da-da-da-da-da. And they're all going, you know, the ones going, I wish I had a full voice right now that I could sing some of the parts to you. But uh, good night, ladies. Good night, ladies. They're all going in different directions, and it was a beautiful harmony. He took all that energy, and he channeled it in a different way. I think of a friendship that I had when I was a teenager 
with a kid that used to bully me. Now, a lot of the, I used to get bullied when I was a little kid, mostly at the local swim club. And I love the local swim club. I had a lot of great memories there. But yeah, there were some bullies, especially when I was younger. And a lot of these kids, when I got older, they were gone. I got bigger and stronger than them. I couldn't wait to beat them up. Honestly, that's what I was thinking when I was a little kid. And a lot of them left. They moved on with their lives. They moved other places. I didn't see them. But there was one particular kid. I know if my mother's listening right now, she's going to probably ask me about it. But he and I ended up being friends later. In fact, a couple of them I ended up being friends with. But this kid was really bad. And when we got older, the energy, it went in a different direction. We rechanneled it in a different direction where we were lifeguards together and we were having a good time. We were laughing together. We played pool together. Uh, we used to go on uh, little hunts to kill bees, you know, when we had bee problems towards the end of the summer. Now, I realized later that was a really bad idea because I was allergic to bees. Uh, but I didn't know that at the time. And we would count. It was kind of like Lord of the Rings, you know, Gimli and uh, Legolas. Here, that's another great example of two former enemies becoming best of friends. Uh, we would count to see who could kill the most bees. I think he beat me every time. But still, that's not the point. We were... Uh, we were comrades after a while. We were good friends. Another great example, I think, would be Peter and Matthew, especially if you're watching The Chosen. Bitter enemies. Jesus really has to deal with that at the beginning when he's recruited both of them because they still don't like each other. But guess what's going to happen over time? They're going to become fellow apostles that serve the Lord side by side in great love. Imagine some of the best people in history if they had used their gifts for evil. Imagine some of the worst people in history if they had used their gifts for good. Imagine if Adolf Hitler used all that craziness, all that energy, let's just say. Sometimes when I do certain types of ministry, we don't talk about a kid being bad. We just say, oh, you know, there's a lot of energy there and we need to just channel it in the right direction. Imagine if Adolf Hitler's energy was channeled in the right direction, how much good he could have done, right? But, you know, we make choices and there's certain things that influence our lives, and uh, the Lord is asking us always to turn that around and bring that back. The Lord wants us side by side fighting for him. You know, another great example, this will be my final example, the movie War Room. I love that movie. There's a bunch of movies made recently, Christian. There's a lot of great new Christian movies, a lot of great new Catholic movies. Uh, I recommend Ignatius Press movies, a lot of Lives of the Saints <clears throat> but there's a lot of great new Christian movies. Um, the Kendrick brothers have made at this point, I think, seven movies. They're so good. And they deal with our faith, but they also deal with just real life contemporary situations. And there's one movie called War Room in which a woman is uh, contemplating leaving her husband because he's out there. He's he's there. They don't have a good marriage anymore. They did at the beginning, but it's gone sour and now he's in a situation where he's tempted to cheat on her. He's He's been lining it up more and more in, in the wrong direction. And she meets this elderly woman. And the elderly woman, she starts talking to her about her marriage. And the woman says, well, you're fighting the wrong foe. You're fighting your husband. You need to fight for your husband. And she showed her how she turned her closet in her bedroom into a war room. In other words, a little room of prayer where she posted scripture passages and took notes about what was happening in her life, the good and the bad. And uh, she went to war on a regular basis. So this woman, 
after listening to the old older woman a lot, decided to do that. She turned her closet into a war room, started praying for her husband. And guess what? Not only did she develop a tremendous amount of patience and kindness and charity towards her husband that she didn't have before, never mind that he didn't have it for her, but he started to have it for her and he decided not to cheat on his wife and he came back and he had cheated at work financially speaking and then he got caught, but that was for the good of his soul. And then little by little, he started to love his wife more. Little by little, the marriage started to work again. Little by little, they had a good marriage again, and he got a new job, and things were all moving in the right direction. And I guess that's my final lesson and message here from this sermon. We got to know who we're fighting, who we're fighting against, and who we're fighting for. And when Jesus is telling us to love our enemies, yeah, I think that's a great image to help us. We got to channel that direction in a different way. Channel, I'm sorry, channel that energy in a different direction. That hatred that we feel. What, what would it be like if we were both fighting for the same thing? Now, it's not always going to happen. You can't, you can't change the other person. You can't fix other people, but we can most certainly work on fixing ourselves and we can pray for our enemies. And once again, as I said before, we can take that hatred, that vengeance, put it in God's hands. Say, Lord, I can't handle this. Lord, you take it for me. Put it in God's hands. Let him deal with it. And maybe over time, we become friends. We become partners with the people that used to be our enemies. We realize when that happens, wow, there's so much more now. Like in terms of my fight, my fight to overcome whatever I'm dealing with in life, there's, it's always better to have more friends than more enemies. My goodness, why do people love having enemies? The more you have friends, I mean, of course, I'm thinking it's a wonderful life now. I got to turn off that part of my brain that wants to go to all the uh, movie references and book references. But yes, a man is never a failure who he has when he has friends, as Clarence the Angel said to George Bailey. So let's ask our Lord to give us that grace. Once again, we turn to our Blessed Mother as the ultimate example of this. Any of those Roman soldiers could have gone to Our Lady after the crucifixion and asked her forgiveness. Not only would she have given forgiveness, but she would have become a mother to them. Isn't that amazing? This is what the Lord asks of us. And, you know, we might not see the merit in that because we want to hold on to our anger and we feel like holding on to anger is holding on to control. But Mary knew, no, this is one more child for me. This is one more citizen of the kingdom of heaven. This is one more soldier for Jesus Christ. So let us all join with Our Lady, becoming soldiers for Jesus Christ, and let's fight for instead of against our brothers and sisters. Have a great day. God bless you. Mm -hmm.